It had to be you. Is that men and women can't be friends because the sex part always gets in the way. Hello, romantics. Welcome to A Pod to Be You, the Talk Film Society podcast that's all about falling in love on the big screen. I'm your host, Manish Mather, and each episode I'll be chatting with a guest about one of their favorite romantic comedies from classics to modern hits. My guest today is Jonathan Valdez. How's it going? Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming. Really excited to chat with you about this film. Would you like to introduce the film for us today? Yes, it is the 1995 iconic and classic film Clueless. Yeah, one of my favorites growing up. We have seen like a number of times. Um, do you remember the first time you saw it? Mm, it was like the year it came out. I rented it on because what is it VHS, and it like transformed my life. <laughs> How has it become like one of your favorites? Just something you've like watched a lot, or do you just really connect with it? Um, I don't know. Something about it, like I know it's become such like a like a hit, or I guess would you call it like a cult hit? I don't know, but yeah. Um, but before that, I don't know. I just really connected with it because it came out when I was really young and I just really loved the characters. Maybe because they were like older and in high school, but the clothing, the music, the really for me, the script and the, um, the vocabulary and just how they spoke. And I always used films to, um, help me communicate or if someone was being like rude at school, like I would always like throw one of the one liners from movies. <laughs> and so I kind of like channeled share or, you know, any, or the other girls are like a, a good Amber line. And it really just like helped me, but I don't know. I just, I always identified with the movie and I just thought it was like very glamorous. Yeah, it really is very glamorous. And I imagine like looking like watching this movie as, you know, when you're like, five, six, seven, in the, these outfits are just so, like, well put together and just so, like, um, eclectic, I guess. Like, they seem very different than what normal people wear. But I guess, like, if you were living in that neighborhood at, at this time, it was probably maybe normal. But Or who would you say is your, like, favorite character in the movie or, like, your favorite part of the film, that, uh, like, favorite scene in the movie? Um... Well, I always love Cher. Obviously, everyone loves Cher. And I think yeah. that that's just something right off the bat. Alicia Silverstone did such a great job with the character. But I also love Dion. But I think that one of the characters that's kind of, like, underrated is Amber. I wish she had a bigger part in the role. Because I feel like she did such a good job in with Amber, the actress. And also her clothing was really good. So, I don't know. Amber just was, like... I, I wanted there to be more Amber. And then when they did the TV show, which is a whole other thing, like, there was a ton of Amber. Yeah, I remember, actually, I remember Amber a lot from the TV show. I mean, I watched that when that was on, because, like, Clueless is the kind of movie that, when I was a kid, I was, like, really obsessed with. And uh, for me, it was, like, yeah, like, the fashion and just, like, the the dialogue, like, the jokes. And, um, and then I remember watching the TV show and, like, Amber being, like, a major character here. Yeah, I feel like I remember... Uh, Amber being in it more just because she's so funny, but she's only really in a few scenes, but she made such an impact. And, like, her clothes are the most, like, bizarre now, watching now. But, like, do you think the fashion looks dated now that it's been, you know, 25 years or so? Or do you think that it kind of ages well as, like, even if it's, like, a part of its time, but it like, does it still look good to you, or does it look like, wow, what, what are they wearing? Um, I think that it sometimes it things look dated but i think even less now because i i definitely remember seeing movies and being like oh my god the clothes look so old or whatever but now since fashion is just so you know everything's come back from the 90s it just looks very current like you could definitely wear any of that now and i feel feel like that more and more 
now that, you know, things have come back in fashion that um, movies seem to look less dated because people are wearing it again. So it kind of is like a full circle. Yeah, there's definitely different, um, like, styles within the movie. Like, I mean, Cher, of course, has a kind of classic, you know, look. And she always looks really great. And then Ty has her, um, I don't know how to do like, East Coast, kind of maybe a little, like, lower class, I guess, or less privileged. And Amber, as we said, has, like, her, like, kind of crazy outfits. Josh is very... Um, simple and just looks very so it's like everyone kind of has a different look and i think that that's what makes this movie so good because um it feels like even if these outfits are very fashionable and glamorous like everyone feel it feels very specific to uh to the characters now do you have any like familiarity with uh um, source material emma by jane austen have you read it or seen any other movies of it or i knew that it was based on it but i don't i've never seen it or read the book yeah, I remember the there was one Emma with Gwyneth Paltrow from like maybe a couple of years after this, but I've never, I've seen that when I was a kid, but I don't remember it much. I I I started reading the book in high school, but I've never finished it. What would you say is like your favorite part of the movie? Um, my favorite part of the movie is why well, I really love the intro. Like I love the whole like is this like a Noxzema commercial or what? Yeah, I think that that's great. Um. I really love it where she's in gym class and she gives a lecture. And I also love the debate scenes where she's talking about her dad's 50th birthday party yeah. and then just like um, violence in the media. I always thought that her speeches were really good. And um, in the vow party scene, I mean, there's just so many. I can quote the entire movie basically like beginning to end. <laughs> yeah. So I think there's just like so many really, 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 like, good and well-written scenes. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, like, going, like, talking about Cher as a character, I always find her such a fascinating character because, um, she kind of, she comes across as, like, this very, like, spoiled brat, and she's, like, from a very rich family, kind of has whatever, she can do whatever she wants, and is very popular, kind of ditzy, but I think at the heart, she's a very, like, sweet person. Like, even if she's, like, selfish, she never means it, like, maliciously, or she's not really, like, a bad person. In fact, like, she's trying really hard to be good and being confronted with people around her telling her she needs to, like, do better. Uh, What do you think about Cher? I mean, do you think that she is, like, a... um, Like, what do you think about her arc in this movie as she goes from someone who is trying to control people around her and do things that she wants to do and then how she kind of grows the character. Um, I mean, I think that she discovers that she wants to be taken seriously and people have this idea of her that she's vapid and she doesn't like that. So she grows and she's trying to help people, but it doesn't always like go the right way. So I think that her like heart is in the right place, but she's kind of discovering like who she is as a person Yeah, and like not letting people dictate who she's going to be. But I think that she still kind of has that like ditzy vibe throughout that she maintains it, but still turns out to be like a character that everyone can relate to and show that people can be multifaceted. Um, so, and I'm not sure how much that matches with like the Emma story. Does it like align pretty well with it or? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think the, like the funny thing about, you know, clueless and, and Emma is that, um, she pretty much like remains the same person throughout the whole movie. And, um, she's the same, but it's just like, she just learns how to be, you know, a better person and more self-aware about the people around her. But, um, it's like, there's a version of this movie where she becomes less vapid and starts to like, stop caring about, you know, fashion and shopping and stuff like that. And she's just like, okay, I'm serious now. But instead this movie says like, Oh, you can be that you can be this sort of, you know, airhead, but also you're, that doesn't make you a bad person. You can still learn to care about other people. Yeah, I I think that um, yeah, I I think that you don't have to choose, and you can still care about fashion and pop culture like me, and still be like a right. good person. Yeah, because I think a, a lot of movies, especially from this era, like they when they have characters like Cher, they um, 
are often seen as like you know antagonistic or mean or they're like the bitchy kind of mean girl kind of thing right um but it's very yeah it's very interesting so I just want to go through like the other characters in the movie like I mean of course we have Dion I want to talk about Dion and um okay what's the boyfriend's name Donald Faison's character it Um, was um, oh it's Murray yeah Murray yeah, they have a very interesting relationship. And that's another thing that I remember being much more uh, slushed out in the movie, but it, I guess it hasn't been. Um, right. Like, watching it again recently, I was just... They, they don't have that many... They have a lot of scenes together, but uh, I thought that it was... It felt like more remembering back, but uh, what do you think about their relationship? Dion and Murray? Yeah. Um, I think it's pretty, like, a good depiction of a lot of people's relationships in high school, but I love that he's, you know, trying to be this cool guy, but she can always reel him in, and that she's also, like, not afraid to, you know, tell him like it is, and I don't know, I think they're really cute together, and I love that, you know, when he does his little... You know, sorry, Miss Dion, but she's saying is an increasingly valid form of expression. Some of the feminine pronouns do have mocking, but not necessarily in a misogynistic undertone. Yeah. Like, um, I don't know. They're cute together. Yeah, I think um, Murray is such a fascinating character because like, he, he kind of comes off as this sort of, like, clowning, like, kind of goofy guy. But then he has these, like, moments of insight, like that line he just quoted, which is very impressive. You quoted it word for word. Yes, I told you. <laughs> um, and he kind of, like, yeah, I was just think, like, thinking about this movie and, like, being in the mid-90s and he, you know, I mean, the two of them are pretty much the only prominent, you know, characters of color and that, that carries a lot, you know, this very, like, white high school, white movie, white kind of thing and how um, they're wrestling with the sort of, like, racial part of their lives. But it's, it's very subtle and very... Um, yeah, it's it's very interesting. Yeah. yeah, well, I think it's amazing that, you know, Cher's best friend was not just, like, another white girl. Yeah. And they had... And then there's Summer. Summer's so underrated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. I love, I love Summer. Um, and then, of course, we have Ty, who I think is, like, probably, like, the second most important character um, Brittany Murphy. So, okay, did you have, like, did you have any attachment towards Brittany Murphy from, like, this movie and her other roles? Um, I think it was this movie because I yeah. watched it so many times, and honestly, when she passed away, I, like, took it really hard. Yeah. And I'm not sure why, but, like, I wrote a blog post about it on my website, orangejuiceandbiscuits.com. Yeah. <laughs> and I, yeah, it was, like, really sad. I was like, whoa. And I'm, I don't know, maybe it was just because... I grew up and spent so much time with this movie. Yeah. And, like, watched it with a lot of friends. But, yeah, I think I definitely think that, like, Ty was, like, the character that she played that I love the most. Just because I've watched this movie, like, a million times. Yeah. For me, it was, like, this movie, Just Married and 8 Mile. Um, as well as um, uh, Uptown Girls. And, right. like, all those movies, like, she just became, like, a part of, um, a part of the, sort of the, like, my, like, middle school, high school. And so, yeah, like, it was the same for me. Like, um, I, um, well, yeah, when I found out that she had, had died, it, it really hit me hard. I actually remember exactly where I was when I found out, and it was really sad. I know, like, I talked about Brittany Murphy on another episode that I did about a year ago, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, because um, one of my guests picked a movie that, that she was in called Love and Other Disasters, so I recommend people go listen to that episode because it was very fun. And, uh, yeah, I mean, she's such a talented actress, and I felt like she could have, you know, done so much more. I, mean, I always think about actresses like, you know, Emma Stone and Rachel McAdams and that same kind of age group and style they could have had, had that career, but... Okay, like, one thing that I found so interesting about Ty that I forgot until I watched it just now, um, she's 15, but she's already, like, drinking and, like, doing drugs and having sex. That's, like, I, that did not really strike me as, like, weird when I was growing up. Like, now that, like, you know, I'm 30, I'm like, wow, like, that's that's crazy. She's so young, but, they, I mean, all these kids act like such adults, but... 
It's so crazy. I mean, Brittany Murphy looks like a child, and she speaks like a child. They were all yeah. doing that. Like, yeah. they went to the Val party, and they were, like, Cher was smoking weed with her. Yeah. And, you know, they were just, like, these rich party party kids, which is very much what that environment is. Yeah. For a lot of those people who have money and, you know, they can do whatever they want. Yeah, but it's still, it's so crazy, though, because they were so, so young. And, like, I don't know. I mean, I guess, like, when I was in high school, I'm sure that was, like, going on. Actually, well, I knew that I was, but I was always so, like, removed from that. But, like, especially now is, like, when I'm much older and it does, it just seems so, like, bizarre. I mean, yeah. I mean, just the way that they can, like, um... I mean, they're also so casual about it, too, you know? Like, you know, she doesn't sneak off to these parties. Like, she gets permission to go, and her dad's just like, yeah, go. And then he kind of acts like, you know, a well, protective dad. But... No, she was scared to go to the bell party, remember? She yeah. wasn't supposed to be there. Yeah, but I'm, I was thinking about the party she goes to with Christian. I mean, her dad basically lets her go without even asking so much where they're going, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. But, um, yeah, the Val party for sure, yeah, I guess she snuck off there. But, and she's, like, afraid to call her dad when she gets mud, which is, yeah. I don't understand why she didn't call Dion, though, because she's like, I didn't know the number to the party, but Dion had her cell phone, and they all had cell phones, and that was, like, a big, like, commentary before cell phones became what they are now. You know, everybody at the table with phones, and then, you know, them talking and meeting in the hallway. I remember that being like such a big moment and now it's happened. So they kind of like foreshadowed and predicted what everyone was going to be doing with their cell phones. Yeah. The other cool technology moment is her, um, her closet. Yeah. How has that not become a thing yet? <laughs> uh, I know. That's like one thing that I would love to she have. Had like that old computer that yeah. she works from. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I love her house. I mean, like, you were saying earlier that, um, because, well, to listen, we watched this together just now, because we both live in New York, yeah. and <laughs> peek behind the curtain, and we were saying how her house looks so pretty, and, like, looks like, um, something that could be a, you know, the, like, uh, interior decoration from, you know, these days, right? Yeah, I said it aged well, and it, like, you know, it looked very, like, modern. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it looked really pretty. And, um, you know, I think she lives in Beverly Hills and, you know, just a casual mansion. Yeah, yeah. And, like, there's so many, um, like, her pool is really cool. Like, I love the staircase in the lobby. Or uh, not lobby, in the foyer. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, just, like, how, like, beautiful this house looks um of course her bedroom her dad's bedroom her dad's office looks really cool yeah i mean this movie looks great i mean it's directed by amy heckerling and like i think she is uh, also did fast times rich one high i mean she in the 90s she was like really big in these kind of movies and she has such a good eye for like art direction and costume design and just the way she used her camera and, like, the editing in the movie... Like, this movie has really emerged as, like, one of the best movies of the 90s. But I remember it wasn't really as respected when it came out. I think just because it's, like, you know, kind of... It's a, you know, it's a more girly movie. It's about, like, you know, matchmaking and stuff. But it's such a, like, smart, smartly made movie. Yeah, and the costume... The costume director was Mona May who did all of the, the fashion for it. Yeah. And I remember sh- her saying that, you know, that that was the stockings and the knee highs weren't really things that, like, high school kids were doing at that time in the 90s, but she really liked it and kind of pulled inspiration, I think, from, like, was it, like, private school or something? I don't yeah. remember what I was reading, but she just basically was like, I thought it was very feminine and girly, and then it became such, like, an iconic look, but... It was something that she created and she wanted it to be more high fashion because at the time they went and looked at high schools and everyone was just very grungy. So she yeah. wanted to bring like a uh, like feminine, like whimsical, like high fashion moment to it. And then she said that she just had like the most fun with Amber because they could do whatever they wanted and that there's so many looks that, you know, didn't even make the film. 
I would love to see those looks. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think my favorite look from her is like the with her like baby long sucking hair and yeah, and then of course the one where she has that that pillbox hat. Is that I love it. It's like yeah. a little like bellboy hat. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's so good in her army yeah. look. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I just it took me a while. I never really realized that they shot it. Like during the winter, and there was like Christmas part. That Christmas party was the vow party. For some reason, when I watched it the first time, I just thought it was um, like it, it was, was just a party. Yeah. yeah, and that they it was just like holiday themed or, or something. But you no, know, I guess they like filmed it when it was supposed to be like cold or it was cold. Yeah, like, well, that kind of takes place over the year. I mean, at the in the beginning, she's like getting her like uh, mid semester grades or like mid year grades. So. But yeah, I mean, like, this movie has such a sunny look. I mean, it's, like, that perfect time in, like, California. But yeah, it's, like... I, yeah, I never thought of this movie as, like, a winter Christmas movie, but I guess it is. And even though... I mean, they, they're wearing coats and stuff, but it just looks so sunny and bright. When I first watched the movies the first few times, I just thought, like, oh, they're wearing coats because it's, like, fashion and they want to, like, yeah. be fashion-y. Not that it necessarily was, like, cold, but I right. guess it does get cold. Yeah. For them, at least. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I, I kind of want to pivot towards uh, talking about the love story in this movie. Um, so we have Josh, played by uh, Paul Rudd, who, like, it's crazy. He looks exactly the same now as he did in this movie. I mean, this man never ages. 50. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, okay, let me see if I understand this correctly. So he is her stepbrother, but, like, barely. It seemed like his mom and her dad were, like, married for, like, a very short while. Yeah, but it was, like, long enough for them to develop a relationship. Like, his mom calls, and she's like, they know, like, she knows Cher. I don't know, yeah, so that was their step, it's his stepbrother, yeah. but then they become romantically involved, and a lot of people are like, that's really weird and gross. Well, the weird thing to me is, I mean, that's, that's a little weird, but the weirder part is that he's definitely, like, 18, 19, and she's 15. Right. And that's the weirder part, and, like, um, this movie just totally doesn't even... I mean, like I was saying earlier about, you know, these kids being so young back when they such adults, like, this movie doesn't even mention or talk about that. It's just kind of, like, accepted that this college student is dating, you know, a 15, 16-year-old. And the dad was, like, encouraging it, because when he yeah. goes off to make sure they're okay at the party she goes to with Christian, he's kind of, like, there's a scene where he, like, knowingly smiles about it. So. yeah. I don't know. It, it is weird. It's really weird. And then they end up dating, and she's still like sixteen, and he's like nineteen. Yeah. <laughs> I remember like the first time I saw this, or not the first time, but, like the first time like in college, being like, "Are they really gonna wait? They like they'll have to wait like two years before they can do anything." I don't know because they were at the wedding, like making out and stuff. Yeah, it's it's so weird, but. I think because this movie is told from her perspective, it, the like, it's the kind of thing you don't really think about if you've seen the movie a million times, or like after the movie's over, then you're like, wait, he's in college, and yeah, it's it's definitely strange. Um, but aside from that part, like, it's definitely a. I think they definitely have a good like chemistry going, and their um, you know, their scenes together is very a lot of like you know, back and forth banter. I mean, what, like, what do you think about their relationship aside from the sort of icky part of it? Um, I mean, I thought it progressed like in a cute way and Paul Rudd is just so adorable on camera, especially when he was like dancing with Ty at the bell party. Yeah. And you know, you could tell he like liked her throughout the whole thing, but they just kind of clash because they're, he thinks that she doesn't care about anything, and then she tries to show them that she is yeah. caring about those things. So I don't know. I thought it was. I thought it progressed like really nicely, and that they were really cute together. And you know, it didn't just happen. And then Ty got in the way and like insulted her and was like, "You're just a virgin who can't drive." <laughs> and she was like, "That's way harsh, Ty." So yeah, I don't know. I think that. I don't even know if he really even thought that he was 
flirting with Ty, but maybe. But maybe it was a tactic. Uh, tactic is... Um, to, like, make Cher jealous? I don't know. He was messing around with all these high school girls. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean... Yeah, if you, like, made his weed today exactly that way, it's like... He's this, like, college kid who's just hanging around a bunch of high school girls and getting involved in their drama. <laughs> but, I mean, I think Paul Rudd really sells it. I mean, he's so good in this movie. And, like, uh, you've interviewed him, correct? Yeah, I interviewed him at South by Southwest when I Love You Man came out. I think it was, like, 2009. Yeah. So I did a red carpet interview with him because I was on the red carpet as the celebrities were going into the movie for the, it was like the world premiere of I Love You Man. And, yeah. um, I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to meet you. You were Josh and Clueless. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, sorry, that's like weird. And he was like, no, it's fine. I love that, that you love that. Because I was, no, I was like, first of all, I have to tell you, you were Josh and Clueless, and I love that movie. It, like, changed my life. He's like, oh, yeah. that's awesome. Like, he's just, like, so Paul Rudd. And me. I don't know, maybe I apologize because I believe I spoke to Jamie Priestley before, maybe. I, like, turned around, and she was just standing there waiting. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you're Jamie Priestley. You're in Not Another Teen Movie. And she goes, oh, thanks. That was so long ago. <laughs> so to talk to Paul Rudd about Clueless, which yeah. happened even longer... I don't know, but I just had no after on that red carpet. And yeah. I was like, I know you're here to talk about your latest role, but let's talk about your resume. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm sure Clueless has, like, become one of his more, like, iconic roles. I mean, especially from this, you know, pre-Judd Apatow era. He seems like a genuine, like, sweetheart. Yuck. Ah, the maudlin music of the university station. Wow, wow, wow. What is it about college and private music? Hey, who's watching the Galleria? So, the flannel shirt deal, is that a nod to the crispy Seattle weather, or are you just trying to stay warm in front of the refrigerator? Oh, wow, you're filling out there. Oh, wow, your face is catching up with your mouth. I went by dad's office. He is not your dad. Why don't you torture a new family? Hey, just because my mother marries someone else doesn't mean he's my father. Actually, Cato, that's exactly what it means. I hope you're not thinking of staying here. <laughs> I sure want to. I'm sure you do. I got a place in Westwood near school. Shouldn't you go to school on the East Coast? I hear girls at NYU aren't all particular. <laughs> you're funny. What's your problem, Beva? Infantry fury trading hey! machine gun fire. Hey, you just got here and already you're playing couch commando? Hey, you know, in some parts of the universe, maybe not in contempo casual, but in some parts, it's considered cool to know what's going on in the world. Thank you. Thank you, Josh. I so need lessons from you on how to be cool. Tell me that part about Kenny G again. Come on, you chuckleheads, get in here. Josh, are you still growing? You look taller than you did at Easter. Well, I think so. Doesn't he look bigger? His head does. So, Josh, have you given any thought to a little discussion about corporate law? Yeah, you know, but I think I'd really like to check out environmental law. What for? You want to have a miserable, frustrating life? Oh, Josh will have that no matter what he does. At least he knows what he wants to do. And he's in a good college. I'd like to see you have a little bit of direction. I have direction. Yeah, towards the mall. Which reminds me, where's your report card? It's not ready yet. What do you mean, it's not ready yet? Well, some teachers were trying to lowball me, Daddy. And I know how you say never accept a first offer, so I figure these grades are just a jumping-off point to start negotiations. Very good. D? Yeah. Hello? Yeah, Jake, what? No, not the afternoon. You're such a brown noser. Oh, and you were such a superficial I told you I wanted it in the morning. What makes you think you can get teachers to change your grade? Doesn't he understand? Only the fact that I've done it every other semester. In the morning. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I was just, like, watching this movie again, like, it was just so, like, um, it's so interesting, like, what this movie does in that, um, like, if you think about the character of Christian, and, like, he has that whole, like, James Dean, um, you know, Rat Pack thing going. And, like, I remember when I was a kid watching it and just being, like, so surprised that he turned out gay. But then watching it now, I'm like, as soon as he comes on screen, I was like, that kid's such a homo. <laughs> 
oh my gosh. Well, he was doing like the whole, like, yeah. like he said, Jason Priestley, like 90210. Like, yeah. During that era in the 90s, like the all the like throwback, like 1920s, yeah. like, um, you know, swing music and then like the ska stuff. And it was very that, but it was, you know, yeah, of course he was gay. Yeah, I mean, you could tell immediately. You know what's funny? Like, you mentioned um, that, like, when we were watching it, that, like, he goes right up to the bartender and just, like, gets drinks. And then, I mean, he's also only 15, 16. Again, like, this movie exists in, like, this, like, weird, like, universe where age does not matter to anyone. Well, I think that it's even like that now. Like, a lot of these kids that come from money, they just kind of do whatever they want. yeah. Their parents just let them do whatever, and they just, like, go wherever they want to go. So, um, but, yeah, it is weird because no one ever addresses it. and They just kind of do whatever they want to do and make their own rules. Yeah. I mean, it's part of the, like, um, in some ways it's part of the charm of the movie because, um, except for Shara's father, there are, like, almost no adults in this movie or no, like, parents. Like, I mean, the teachers are there, which we can get into in a bit, but... Like, it's kind of interesting that, like, these kids all just, like, um, interact with each other and, like, live their lives on their own, almost without parents. Like, you know, like, Ty's family has ostensibly moved her from Jersey to California. We don't know why. We don't really know, like, what's going on there. But um, it's just, like, you know, she just kind of, like, does what she wants. And even though it seems like she comes from a, I guess poor family or, like, less privileged family, she's able to, like, afford these clothes. I mean, I know, like, Cher probably gives her a lot, but, you know, she's essentially doing what they do. So it's just interesting. Like, there's almost no, like, parental control. And, like, while that's like, seems weird, it's also, like, part of the, I don't know, what makes this movie kind of interesting. Yeah, there's, yeah, nobody else has their parents seen except for Cher and her dad and her mom died during a routine lipo session. <laughs> Um, and then you have Miss Geist and, you know, the debate teacher, Mr. Hall. <laughs> yeah, Wallace Shawn, and uh, I think that's Twin Kaplan, who I don't know who that is, but she's a very cool name. Um, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, they're also, I mean, they're, they're adults, but they're, like, hardly authority figures, because they're so easily, like, I don't want to say manipulated, but, like, they're, they're kind of distracted <laughs> by their own... You know, but thing guys, going on. guys is so cute. I know, she's and really they give cute. her that like mini makeover and yeah. the the Shakespeare note. And but yeah, I mean, Cher did do it only. Well, I don't know only, but the main reason was for her to get better grades. Yeah, but that's like what that's like part of the like great thing about Cher is that um, she maybe have these sort of self minded you know, intentions, but she ends up doing, like, I guess, well, like, what she does comes from a good place, even though it does have the sort of self, self-interest in it. Like, I think she generally, I don't think she's thinking like, um, oh, you know, there's, these teachers are so lonely. Um, like, I guess what I'm saying is like, in her mind, she's thinking that, she wants to genuinely help them, and if they're happy, then they'll be have like a better attitude, like to everyone, not just yeah, her. That's true, and it's true because yeah, like her, you know, her teacher doesn't give her any, like like uh, there's that part where there it says like um, weekend homework, have fun, and everyone's like cheering on share. Right. So it's like I think she means well, and it's like you know, it's the kind of thing where like if you're doing something for the wrong reasons, but it's still a good thing, then like is that really such a big deal? Right. Um, you know, I, I noticed a lot this, this time around that there's a lot of scenes where people are clapping for Cher. Because she makes good points. Yeah. Yeah. And there's always Amber who's like, is anyone listening that reeked? Which I think well, is so cause, funny. Because Amber is like a hater and she yeah. doesn't, she's like jealous of Cher for some reason. And then she, like, wears the same dress as her, and then, you know, shares, like, is deeper her fashion victim or ensemble challenged. <laughs> <laughs> so things like that, like, those classic lines are just so much fun with the movie, and I've yeah. been reciting them for, like, years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Um, so you've seen this movie a lot of times. Is there something new that you like pick up each time when you watch it? Or something you've noticed? Um, off the top of my head, no. But I know when I started watching it over and over and over again, like you know, years ago, like I would pick up on what the other actors were doing or looking at different people's reactions or their facial expressions or like at the beginning when, you know, Cher's doing her voiceover of like, I don't know why Dion's dating these high school guys. And then I, I made it a point because I'd seen it so many times to listen to what Dion was saying. And she's like, he calls me this week and he's like, where are you? And I'm like, I'm at grandmother's house. And he said, you're lying, biatch. And I was like, how dare you call me a liar? But you can't really hear it unless like you focus in on her because Cher's talking over her. So I don't know. I think when you see something a million times, it's fun to kind of look at things from a different angle or pay attention to something that you're really not supposed to be focused on. Yeah, this is definitely a movie where there's a lot going on in the backgrounds. Um, like, there's a lot of dialogue that happens in the background and, like, this, like, funny, like, little asides here and there. Um, and um, I, I think this movie is just so fascinating just because it's such a, like, relic of its time and it like it just spawned a lot of like catchphrases like i think as they've come from this movie right uh and like yeah. whatever and like doing the elf i feel like it does because i don't remember seeing it before but of course i was really young so well, i think obviously it comes to that culture of like the valley girl, girl yeah and like well and like the rich kids and yeah. um and that kind of speak but um it's interesting because they don't even do the whatever that many times, and that became so iconic. I can think Amber does whatever once. Yeah. And then, like, the L for Loser is only done once. Um, so, but it created, like, a big thing. Like, I remember people doing whatever with their hands, like, way back in the day. Yeah. So, it's interesting how moments in movies become so iconic, and you think that they, like, happen over and over and over again, but it only happens one time, and people become so fond of that moment that yeah. it, something you think that would have been reoccurring and it, it didn't. It only happened one time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this, like, is... I guess this is one of the movies that, like, came out, like, right in the, like, boom of, like, home video when, like, television. And so this movie just, like, played over and over. Like, I remember watching this movie, like, many, many times before it even came out on, like, DVD and stuff. Just from like it being on you know TBS or TNT or like one of those channels and yeah I mean it's just like so I can see how these sort of like lines that only appear once or twice become really popular. It's just this movie just seems like it's always playing. I mean you've seen it so many times. I've seen it so many times. Well, one thing that I wanted to mention that um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with, but there's this movie called Gigi from the 1950s and. Um, there's a scene in that movie where the main hero, played by Louis Jordan, um, and he's, like, walking around and having a... Well, he's singing a, a monologue about, you know, like, his feelings towards Gigi, the main character. And right. it, throughout the course of the monologue, he realizes that he's in love with her. And he does that as he's walking by a fountain that I, I believe it turns on during the monologue, but I could just miss, be misremembering that. Right. And then this movie has almost the exact same scene with Cher doing that, realizing <laughs> her feelings for Josh. And I just noticed in the um, end credits that the music playing in that is the theme from Gigi. Oh, um, it is? Yeah. I remember seeing the credits, like, when they have, when they have the, um, like, all the songs playing... Uh-huh. They play in the movie. I noticed one was called Gigi by Lerner and Lowe. Oh, interesting. So uh, that's the 1958 Vincent Minnelli movie that won Best Picture. I think a really good movie, that one that gets kind of disparaged now because it's kind of an icky plot. I guess it's like Clueless. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a good movie. If you haven't seen it, you should look it out. It's, that's another good fashion movie, although it's a very different time period. Obviously, that takes place in, oh God, who knows, like the... 1800s or something, but Gigi, yeah. When is it? Where is it? Um, who's in it? It's um. Let me look. Well, then you brought up the music. I think that's another thing about this movie. the The soundtrack became so iconic, and the music yeah. in Clueless is so good, and it really like changed a lot of 
um, like the the music in it has been a topic of discussion just because it of the soundtrack that became yeah. such a big part of why the music why another reason why the movie was so popular. Yeah, so um, yeah, Gigi takes place in Paris in the 1900s with Leslie. Uh, Leslie Karen, you know, Louise Jordan. It's a really good movie. Hermione Granger. Should look at it. I think it's a, it's a good musical. Hermione Granger as in Emma Watson? No. Hermione. <laughs> oh, Hermione Gingold or Gingold. Yeah, I was like Hermione Granger. <laughs> oh my God. Um, yeah, so I just want to mention that because I. Uh, it's funny, like, I saw this movie, obviously, before I saw Gigi, and then when I, when I watched Gigi about, like, a year and a half ago, I was like, wait, I was like, wait, that looks so familiar, and then I put it together that it was, <laughs> it was a, a scene that inspired Clueless, so. And, like, um, yeah, Gigi's also kind of like a shared type character. Hmm. So, um, yeah, was it a mixture of Emma and Gigi, or just that one scene? No, I think like so that, that one scene. I think probably like you know they realized that they were they had a scene that was similar to that movie, so they just right you know decided to do an homage, which I thought was kind of cool. I, I mean, I like when you know um, new like not new, but I mean this you know, Clues isn't a new movie, but like when like more modern movies kind of take you know take riffs like or like riffs on older stuff and right. does it like direct reference like that um what are some other like your your favorite you know teen movies from these like you know mid to late 90s era um uh, like i love 10 things i hate about you she's all that i loved the 90s teen movies so much like they yeah. i just i don't know i loved them and those are those were literally like my favorite movies to watch and maybe because they were kind of like a fantasy of like i didn't really do much in high school at all as far as like parties and stuff so i it just gave me something to like look at and yeah. enjoy and kind of like escape and you know, and all the witty writing and stuff, like, really helped. I really, like, helped me because, you know, I get, I used to get made fun of for liking pop culture and stuff, and I used to watch a movie once, and I could know all the lines, and people weren't like that then, so I would say things, and people had no idea that I was just, like, stealing from these teen movies. Yeah, yeah. I, I can definitely relate to that, because I, I remember, like, when we were growing up, um, like, being into this kind of stuff, like, wasn't cool, you know what I mean? So, uh, especially a movie like Clueless, or She's All That, which kind of has that, like, rom-com, you know, like, I guess stigma is the right word, I don't know. But, yeah, it just, like, wasn't cool. But, like, now that, like, you know, people our age are, like, getting into, like, becoming, like, pop culture writers or, like, you know, like, film Twitter people, then, like, right. these movies that we like are becoming popular again. This movie has definitely, like, raised its profile in the last, you know, 20 years or so. But... Uh-huh. I mean, I, I mean, I've watched you know teen movies from you know the two thousands and like this era, but they just don't seem as like iconic or like classic as the ones that we watched. Yeah, are special, and I, I don't think it's just the fact that like we grew up with these and the new ones like we're too old for them. But yeah. I mean, it can't just be that, right? There's something special about like Clueless and Ten Things I Hate About You. There's just like different. I think just because they're creating a lot of stuff and, like, doing stuff for the first time, whereas, like, these movies now take too much inspiration from, you know, the 90s and, like, early 2000s. I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think they do a really good job of encapsulating the time period that they were in. And just, I don't know, like providing I, do they even do teen movies anymore right now well or? like this weekend uh to all the boys part two just came out on netflix mm-hmm. and like as much as i love teen movies and teen romance movies i have like zero desire to watch it and like i haven't didn't see the first one and i just like i watched i mean of course like you know netflix like the trailer plays for it because it's the big release and i'm just like yeah, it looks cute. It looks fun, but like I have zero interest in it because it does not seem like as. It seems like it's trying really hard to be like a clueless or like a ten things I hate about you or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, she's all that. Another favorite is um, Never Been Kissed. Like you know these kind of movies 
don't know. It just seems different. Right. Because yeah. I don't know if, like, they're really making, like, this certain genre and, like, the same people always being in the movies. and Yeah. I don't know. It was cool. It, I mean, and then, you know... Stacy Dash was like what she Psycho was like Psycho Republican. Oh, oh well, yeah. no, but I mean, she did such a good job. But yeah, she was so much older than everybody. Yeah, else, yeah, I she's think. at least ten years older than Alicia Silverstone. Wow, but I mean, I mean, it's like we were saying, like age does not matter in this movie, <laughs> right? Like everyone is like acting; they're twenty one, playing playing the actors who are almost thirty, and yeah. Um, so I, I remember my point earlier, which I totally forgot, is that I think it's interesting that the one actor who really became, like, super famous and successful from this movie is Donald Faison, because, you know, I think, like, soon after this, he got scrubs. And, like, Alicia Silverstone, of course, you know, she's still around, and, like, I think she's more into, like, the lifestyle thing, and Brittany Murphy, I mean, sadly, like, she had a good film career before she passed, and Stacey Dash is, you know, who knows what's going on with her. <laughs> Um, but I, yeah, it's interesting. Well, like, um, and like of these actors who are so charismatic, so funny, so perfect in this movie. Like, uh, I mean, Alicia Silverstone, like I wish she had a better career. I mean, I know she was in like Blast in the Past and, um, <laughs> and Excess Baggage. Remember that? Uh, maybe, but I, think I mean, Paul yeah. Rudd had a huge career. Yeah. Right. But, like, I, th- I mean, Paul Rudd, even he, I feel like it took him a number of years to, like, become really famous. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it wasn't really until, like, the Judd Apatow era, I think, right? Was he on Freaks and Geeks? I don't think so. Uh, I don't I, think I, so. I don't remember. But, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, uh, I mean, it's interesting. Uh, and even Amy Heckerling, you know, she's such a, like, talented filmmaker. But I just want to go through her career before we finish up so we can... Uh, because I, I think she's um, she's such a great filmmaker, but I feel like she never really did anything after Clueless that was like just as you right. know, or I had think. like staying power. Yeah, like so she does. Um, she does okay. Like she does like the Look Who's Talking movies, and then she does Clueless, <laughs> and then a movie called Loser in two thousand, and then she directs uh, The Office. Oh, she directs the Hot Girl episode of The Office with Amy Adams. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, and then she vamps in 2012. <laughs> and then, like, yeah, The Carrie Dies, Suburbicatory, Rake, Red... Yeah, I mean, she's, like, not doing movies that much anymore. She did The Carrie Diaries? She did, like, um... Just an episode? Three episodes. Oh, wow. I love yeah. that series. Um... She has a movie coming out called Royalties, but with uh, Darren Criss and John Stamos and Tony mm-hmm. Ro- I mean, Tony Revolori. It looks interesting, mm-hmm. but I mean, she's one of those like female directors who kind of like dropped off the face of the earth mm-hmm. for a while, but I probably got like a, a a rebound now because you know yeah. people are more aware of you know like how hard it is for women to get. What's uh, that movie's made? Uh, what's that latest movie about that you were just reading? Okay, Royalties is about screenwriter Sarah and Pierce navigating the challenges of creating new compositions for pop stars. Oh, interesting. Oh, that could actually be pretty cool. Um, this yeah. has uh, no release date or anything. <laughs> but Darren Chris is in it and it says musical as a genre, so it should be fun. Darren Chris? Yeah. They always like wheel him out for those kind of things. Yeah, right. <laughs> Um, okay, great. Well, do you have any final thoughts on Clueless? Um, or any, like, favorite lines, scenes you want to bring up before we finish up? Um, I mean, let me see. Favorite lines. I mean, again, I love the, like, fashion victim or ensemble challenge and Amber being like, as if I would ever wear something from Judy's. And, um, no, I mean, if you haven't seen it for some reason or... You've, it's just maybe been one of those movies where you're like, oh, okay, I don't know about it, and you should definitely, definitely watch it because it uh, it changed and shaped my life. <laughs> and if for some reason you haven't seen it, I think it's just like a really important part of like cinematic history. <laughs> no, I mean I totally agree. I think it, it's a movie that like you know gave 
you know, gave way to a lot of, like, catchphrases that we still use today, like, I mean, especially, like, whatever, I feel like it's, you know, <laughs> we say with that kind of intonation, and, like, it's a really well-made movie, um, like I was saying, the, like, shot compositions and just the production design, everything was just so well thought out and specific. I mean, this is the kind of movie that I think people don't really consider as, like, having a lot of visual panache to it just because it's so, it's so, like, real, or, like, um, it's so, like, lived in and specific. But, yeah, a lot of care went into it, and it's such a, like, funny movie. It's a good romance. Um, Alicia Silverstone, I mean, like, I cannot really praise her enough. Like, she's so, so good in this movie. She takes such a, like... A character that you could like easily be like mocked and ridiculed, but it just makes her so lovable and and adorable and sweet, and you just like are endearing. You just want to like be around her. So um, I the, yeah, I really love this movie. I'm glad you picked it. Yay! And the the writing is really great yeah. too, and the casting's amazing, and the clothes are amazing and iconic. Um, it's just so funny because. Really, before this podcast, I never really thought of it as a romantic comedy, but I, it is, I guess. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it definitely has the, like... I mean, it's about, like, matchmaking and, you know, there's a, you know, big romantic finish. And I think, you know, with the movie being about, um, you know, like, Cher trying to find, you know, the right kind of boyfriend and trying to find her find boyfriends for her friends. You know, we didn't even talk about Elton, but he's kind of a jerk. I mean, he's very, like, a hashtag me too. <laughs> yeah, I think when you watch it now, because yeah, I so haven't creepy. seen it in a while, he, like, touches her and, like, tries to kiss her, and she never really yeah. consents to it. And he's very forceful. And yeah. Like, Ew, Elton, stop. He's kind of like the, like, dark side of this sort of, like, privileged, you know, like, moneyed world. Yeah, and then he he talks about like, do you know who my dad is? And yeah, I never understood why he's. She's like, uh, you don't like Ty, but you have a photo of her in your locker, and he's like, I have the photo you took in my locker. So I'm like, I guess he took it as like it was her art that I don't know. That was always weird to me. Yeah, that's that's a very strange thing for him to say, but whatever. He's a jerk. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, uh, where thank you for having me. Sure. Where can people find you online? Um, so I have a website, fashion entertainment blog called orangejuiceandbiscuits.com. You can find me on Instagram at Jonathan R. Valdez and Twitter at Jonathan Valdez. Um, Facebook, Orange Juice and Biscuits. And then also I have a podcast, OJNB the Podcast, where you can find more information at dnrstudios.com. Yay, thank you. And you can find me on Twitter at Dominish89 and Please follow the podcast at itpod2bu. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe so it help people find the show. Thanks again, Jonathan, and thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.